Delane and jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome into the Raptors Beat. I'm Josh Lewinberg. Nikki Reyes is away this week, but guest co-hosts don't get better than this. Joining me for a very big show, one of my favorite humans in the world. She's blushing. Kate Burness. Hello, Kate. Good morning, Josh. There are very few humans that would get me out of bed to be here this early. No, two reasons. Though. Not that you're not the only one, but a uh, couple of reasons I got out of bed this morning. But I am thrilled to be here today, and hopefully I will uh, fill in admirably for Nikki. Well, let's get into one of those other reasons why you're here in the building. I mean, first of all, you're always in the building. I just live here. I sleep here. I live here. Um, our producer, Michael Hamarne, just puts me on the schedule every day of my life, so I'm not allowed to leave. Campbell. I sleep. I Hambone, I sleep in Studio 6 now. Just bring me some food. That's all I ask. So that's one of the reasons why I'm super appreciative that you agreed to do this. The second reason is, of course, the primary topic today is going to be the groat. Kyle Lowry, who's making his uh, long-awaited, much-anticipated return to Toronto on Sunday... You, of course, have spent a lot of time with him over the years, interviews, talking with him on and off the record. You know him well, and you had a chance to sit down with him today. I did. How is the old man doing? He's phenomenal. I, uh, I'm very biased. I love that we're doing this on radio and not on television because I think, you know, it's really, when I started being on a side, the sidelines for the Raptors a really long time ago, I think seven years ago or so when I had first started, um, Kyle was kind of the first athlete that I really had to have constant interaction with. And I always thought that I was an absolute garbage sideline reporter because I wasn't, I, I don't dig for things. And the reason I don't dig for things, <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting any of this, um, is because I just, I see the human side of stuff. And I think Kyle, to me, was always one of those people that I had more of just a, like a friendship with than I did, you know, trying to get the answers out. Now, when we established that friendship, the answers actually started getting, I think, pretty good on the sidelines as well, because I trusted him and he trusted me. So now that I'm hosting, I obviously, you know, I, I don't get that. Obviously, you know, Kayla is making her relationships and doing a great job, but it, it's just... It's one of those things where, and then, and then he leaves, right? He was here for nine seasons, and then you don't get to see him in the bubble, and, th and then he's gone. But it was really funny ha doing the interview today because that's the first interview we've had since he's left for the Heat, and it's like nothing changed. And uh, I can't even tell you how thankful I am to, uh, to have Kyle part of my career because uh, he's done a lot for me, and, uh, and I appreciate that. I'm going to tell you one tidbit from the interview right off the top. Oh, I don't want to like, take up the whole show here. Um, the interview lasted over 15 minutes, though, so I have a lot of info in the old noggin right now. He doesn't call himself the groat. He refuses. Really? Isn't that interesting? He said that the person that came up with it, though, should be awarded. Like whoever, and I don't know who originally came up with the greatest Raptor of all time. And I'm like, that's fine, Kyle, but we're going to call you that because you can't prove otherwise that you're not the groat. So I said, maybe when you retire, he's like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm just not doing it. He's not, he's not going to say it, but something tells me he's okay with us. Saying oh, it. he's fine with us <laughs> saying that he's the greatest of all time. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's nice to see him happy. Like, uh, he deserves, Kyle deserves to be in Miami yeah. right now. He says that his, 
his golf game has gotten a lot better. So he would like, I asked him about his golf and he's like, are you trying to like ask if I'm going to practice or not? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't we care. know he's not going to I practice. I don't give a crap if you're showing up to practice. Heck, from a Raptor standpoint, <laughs> it's better if you're not showing up to practice. So I don't know. It's just, uh, it, it was so, it, it was so typical Kyle. And I think he's actually put a lot, a lot of thought into the return to be quite honest. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's interesting because, well, first of all, it's going to be quite the atmosphere in that building. I mean, the DeMar DeRozan return comes to mind in terms of, like, the, the most recent comparable. Yeah. And that was amazing. This is going to be, I think, another level and something that I'm really looking forward to, if for no other reason than, like, this fan base deserves it. Kyle deserves it, obviously. We know that. But this fan base deserves it based on all the crap that they've dealt with yeah. this season over the last couple of years, even as recently as a few days ago, with the fire and the evacuation and the refunds and all of that. Like, th- this is going to be a-, a fun night, a fun celebration. I'm really interested to see, and we're going to talk about this later, how Kyle I- is going to handle it. Because he's a guy, as we know, that he prides himself on being a tough guy, mm-hmm. obviously on the court, but off the court as well. And he likes to stay in character. He very rarely breaks that character to show his emotion. But as you know, as well as anybody, and I've seen it as well, he's got a softer side. He's got emotions that maybe he doesn't like to show everybody. And I think he's going to have a hard time hiding those on Sunday. So we're going to get into all of that. Uh, we're going to tell our favorite Kyle Lowry stories, but also I had a chance to speak with some of Kyle's former teammates for a story that I wrote uh, for TSN.ca. It's coming out tomorrow morning. And basically I asked, I spoke to 10 guys, what's your best Kyle story? What makes Kyle Kyle? And obviously there are layers to that. So it was really interesting hearing everybody's stories. We're going to play a few of them, a few of those interviews, a few clips, including one from, of course, his best friend, DeMar DeRozan, who his Kyle story is a 10 out of 10. I'm not overselling this. So stay tuned for that. Fired up for this now. We're going to get into all of that. But first, we've got to talk about this red hot Raptors team coming off another win against Minnesota. They've won 10 of their last 12 games. They're shooting up the standings now. Virtual tie with Chicago for fifth, although Chicago still has the fifth seed because of the tiebreaker. Raptors now two games ahead of Cleveland for sixth. And I'm just, I'm wondering what the perception of this Raptors team is right now around the league, but specifically amongst those top four teams that could end up seeing the Raptors in the playoffs because there are a couple schools of thought on this, right? Because in the playoffs, the things that terrify you most about an opponent, you you don't want to see an experienced team. Experience is terrifying in the playoffs. And then obviously like super duper stars, the like Kevin Durant types, and that's why people are so afraid of potentially seeing Brooklyn. So in that sense, like maybe the Raptors don't inspire fear because they're young, because Pascal Siakam, all the question marks about whether this will carry over into the playoffs. But the next most terrifying thing in the in the postseason is a team that's trending upwards, a team that's playing well. Aren't many teams in the NBA that are playing better than the Raptors right now. Well, and I think too, it's funny doing NCAA March Madness. We always say this too: watch the teams coming in hot. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing when it comes to the NBA playoffs. Watch, you know, watch a team like the Raptors. I think what like the Knicks are the only other team right now that has a that have a better winning streak. And uh, I think with the Raptors, too, I I don't know the perception of other teams because obviously I don't speak with other teams. But just if I was to watch from the outside in right now, 
especially if you watch early in game. So watch like the first quarter of the Boston game. Watch the first quarter of last night's game. I think teams are like, this is going to be a bit of a cakewalk, right? Because you don't, you look at the Raps and you don't think like Kevin Durant's Joel Embiid's LeBron James, like superstar, right? Yeah. And then it's really funny because the Raps kind of just flip a switch. And it's, it, it almost happens in every one of these awesome grinded out wins. There's just no quit in this team. And they lock down defensively. And I know we say it endlessly on the broadcast, but good defense leads to offense. But it's so true. They get everyone else involved. Pascal Siakam is playing the best basketball of his entire career. I mean, look at his numbers from March. They're off the chart. And I think, too, if you put that all together, and, and I think, too, with the Raptors, this is the first time we've really seen them this healthy. And then to be this healthy going into the playoffs, with the exception of Malachi, I mean, if it remains this way, this team is so dangerous. They are lethal right now. Um, whether teams, you know, I would have liked to have seen Tatum and Brown play against, against the Raptors. I think that would have been a little bit more of an indication. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as I said, if they play the way they're playing right now, I think, I think they can beat, you know, the majority of teams in the East. Well, let's talk about that, and let's look at it the other way around. Who do the Raptors want to see? Well, first, let's talk about okay. who we want to see. I was going to say, why do we even care about the Raptors we want when we have to go to these cities as well? We don't. That's the most important thing. And actually, we were talking about this off-air. This is the easy part, because we're going to rank the top four teams in terms of preference. First, ours from okay. a travel standpoint, and then the Raptors' standpoint in terms of best matchup. Okay. This, for us, is easier than it will be for the Raptors. So you've got... Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly. Okay, that, that's the easiest question in the whole world. Josh. Right. So, can we agree that South uh, for Beach our is number purposes, one. Miami is number one? That's not right. Not close. Well, like Leo needs to keep up a standard of tanning. So, I think for Leo too, I'm going to speak for Leo Routens here. So, like, I'm going to go straight up South Beach. Honestly, I could use a few days on the beach after March Madness as well. Hundred percent. The Kyle Lowry narrative well, obviously would be fun as in well. That, in, so in, that's the fun part too. And I mean, you know, watching and then trying to figure out how the Raptors would slow down like a bam when you're missing a center. I think that's an interesting storyline jimmy buckets you don't yeah i mean you don't want the star power that oh we'll get Miami into it from a basketball oh, standpoint okay, okay. this is from a kate oh, and josh oh, oh, standpoint. Oh, in that case who cares yeah no i'm definitely going, i'm going wholeheartedly <laughs> to south beach that's number one now number two maybe a little bit trickier than i thought because i would have said boston apparently the marathon is that week Ooh. so that complicates things a little bit. i would run it I would run it and do no. I half. believe you. I'm not. I'm not doing a full. That's just absurd. You like, and Jacko are running that marathon. I, and I would take the morning before. If the we're going to do over under odds on me beating Jack, I would take that. I would beat Jack in a marathon right now. I'm in good shape. I'm just like I stay up in good shape. What can I say? So, but I don't mind. I know for you personally, I feel like that would be like like logistics. You would not enjoy <laughs> that, correct? Um. Yeah. Maybe a little bit too much. Too many busy, people. Too busyness. many people, Louis. I don't like people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You you got you me. like you certain got me. people. I like certain people. I'm like Kyle. Right. You are. I, I know. Yeah. And once you get to once you like you know you like people back, it's quite good. <laughs> it's quite fun. Okay. So I'm gonna go Boston number two. Okay. Um. I'm I'm gonna say Boston number two. Yes. Only because I, I like Philly a lot. The arenas in Philly are all together in like an isolated area. I hate away that. From, and it's tough, right? Like it's hard to get. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time to get there. It takes time to get back. Hard to get cabs and Ubers and all that. So that's my tiebreaker. I'm going to say Boston very slightly over Philly. And then we're in agreement as much with Miami no. being number one as Milwaukee being number four. The best thing about Milwaukee was that Gold's Gym we found that had a basketball yeah. court and we could do a run like we could play. We know we could hoop in Milwaukee. Other than that, I've spent far too much time in the city of Milwaukee. You know what, too? Like, I don't think... 
it was really weird, like, through, through the championship run. Um, like, the, the Philly fans I can actually appreciate just because they're so ridiculously, like, I mean, they, and they flip a switch on your team like you've never even seen before. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate the level of, like, basketball knowledge. And then I got to Milwaukee, and there's just something there that I just wasn't a huge fan of. But... You know, good for them. Maybe it's changed, too, since they've won the championship. But I think they were just ticked, too, that they thought they'd roll right through the Raptors in that championship year and then didn't. But uh, And I love the Midwest. Like, I love Chicago. I think Chicago's such an amazing city. Um, but I've just spent too much time in Milwaukee after the playoff run. Okay, so that was super easy. That was the easiest thing in the world. Now the hard part. We're going to talk about this from the basketball standpoint because I've already gone back and forth on this like 15 times it's going to happen again over and over again over the next week or so as we're trying to figure out okay well what's going to happen here and it's so tight between those four teams mm-hmm. I mean, Miami beating Boston last night Milwaukee beating Philadelphia the other night and that's basically the difference right now um, but in, in terms of the best matchup for the Raptors amongst those four teams who you got who like who do you think the best matchup first I think is honestly and I, I know this sounds really 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 weird um, I actually think it may be Philadelphia. Really? I do. And the reason is, too, is I know we were talking about this before we came on air, too, and you're like the newness of the Embiid and the Harden thing, too. Yeah. I still don't trust them as a team, right? Embiid has never proven to any of us what he can do in the postseason, right? And the Raptors have and, had his number. And the Raptors kind of, we know how to break down Embiid pretty darn well. Harden's never scared me. And as Harden gets older, I get he can shoot the lights out. But he can't do that thing where he runs into guys, gets fouls all the time, backs out. Like, that's all changed, right, in this game? Well, it changed at the start of the season. Yeah, now, it might it's a little bit back. more now. And in the playoffs, Well, knows? and people will argue, too, oh, they want to see the 76ers go through this and that. I don't – I think I'm ranking maybe Philly number one because I can give you reasons why I don't want to see the other three teams. Like, I really yeah. – and people are like, oh, Boston. And I'm like – Oh, no, 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 just wait. I mean, new system, like you get Tatum and Brown back in that lineup for what we saw on Monday night with the double OT game. I think they're, I think they're, and that, that crowd's absolutely bonkers as well. Um, I don't, I mean, the Miami Heat too, same thing. I think, I think Kyle knows it so well, right? Jimmy's a star. Bam's going to just absolutely annihilate in the paint too. And I think the big thing for me is PJ Tucker, like a guy like PJ Tucker, Right. And that's a huge loss for Milwaukee. And then Milwaukee's Giannis. Right. So I'm, I'm ranking more of like, who, who do I not want to see? Like, who, who's the best of the bunch? That's yeah. my opinion. It's interesting because I, I, I see a lot of similarities between Miami and Boston just in terms of like tough physical teams. And those those series would be slogs, it especially be. with a Raptors team that has proven they can hang punch for punch with, with those types of teams. Yeah. And then you've got, like, the star power of Giannis and Milwaukee and then Harden and Embiid with Philadelphia. Like, I, I might agree with you and say Philadelphia in that, like, I, I could argue them on both sides. I could, for sure. I could argue that they're the toughest. I could argue that they're the easiest. And I actually think of the four teams, I don't, I don't think the Raptors would get swept by any of those teams. I, I the think way. the Raptors have a but, shot against any of these teams, by the way. I really do. I think they would be... Tough competitive series against all four of those teams. I see a scenario where if everything goes right for the Raptors, where they could potentially upset any of those four teams, yeah. but they would obviously be heavy underdogs in any of those four series. So it's it's similar in that respect. What's interesting to me about Philadelphia, like I think Philadelphia is the most likely team of the four of them to sweep the Raptors or anybody if they actually figure it out and get it mm-hmm. together. And because like the star power there is is ridiculous. Yeah, but. 
they also, of the four teams, have the most implosion potential. Yeah. So if the goal here for the Raptors is actually to upset one of these teams and win the series, I'm going to go with the team with the most implosion potential. Yeah. The, the Sixers offensively, like... They're still figuring it out. Defensively, you've got to find some. Harden's got to cover somebody, right? Does he? <laughs> Sorry, I've never seen it before, but sure. Well, theoretically, he should. Yeah, I guess. Done. I guess you got to put him on someone. Um, so I, I'm going to say maybe I'll say Philadelphia one. Um, I'm going to say Milwaukee is the team that you least want to play. Interesting. You think that's just the experience, or is it Giannis? Like, what is it? Both. Yeah. I think they now they know they can win. They've won. They're yeah. deep. They're they've been, deep. They've That's... been playing really well yeah. recently. We talked about trending in the right direction. I do think they still have the coaching edge. I'll get it that yeah. Budenholzer's gotten better about in-game adjustments, but I said, like, I think the Raps have the coaching coaching advantage there. I give that. Yeah. And then, yes, I think Boston and, and Miami are similar. Um, I, I'm going to say Boston over Miami, which is a controversial take given how hot they've been, how well they've been playing. True. Just because of the wild card, maybe, of the uh, the vaccination situation. Yeah, because we don't know what's going on there. ESPN, uh, Tim Bontomps reporting uh, yesterday that Milwaukee and Philadelphia, sorry, Milwaukee and Miami have yeah. confirmed that they're fully vaccinated teams. Boston and Philadelphia have not um, the last time Boston was here previous to last week right. was before the border restrictions changed. When was that? Did you... That was in November. Okay. And then Philly was last year in December. The border restrictions changed and, and players, athletes were no longer exempt from having to be fully vaccinated to get into Canada on January 15th. Hmm. So all we can go upon based on the Boston situation is what we saw last week where no Horford, no Tatum, and no Jalen Brown. Of course, given the circumstances of them being in the second night of a back-to-back, those guys battling injuries, Horford away from the team for personal reasons, I'm not sure how much we can glean from that, but we don't know what the situation with, with that team is, whether those guys, I mean, Tatum has said he's vaccinated. Horford was saying yesterday that he would be available to play in Toronto. Right. We haven't heard a whole lot from Jalen Brown. So that's a huge wild card there. And in terms of Philly, they're going to be here next week. So maybe we'll get we'll an see. idea there of, of who's going to be it, there. It's, it's amazing to me, though, that we're still, we're, like, we're still at this point where we're thinking about it. And I think now that, you know, the Kyrie thing's done and he can play, you know, you don't even really think about that. But you're right. When Tim put out that article, I think all of us started digging back and we're like, okay, well, which player is it? Like, which one's, like, which one's not coming in? But was there any other mandates in, like, playing in New York? Or was this just coming over the border? Like, for example, like when Boston went and played the Nets, was anyone not available because Kyrie couldn't play because he didn't fall under that? Like, have we done some serious digging here yet is what I'm asking? I think the New York situation was visiting players could, and it made no sense. Oh, yeah, that's right. Visiting Visiting players players could could play You're right, my bad. That was actually, that that was just, that was absolutely ridiculous. So I I don't know that we know anything. You're right. So you know what? I guess we're just going to have to wait to the playoffs. And I guess, you know what? They're relying on the fact that, let's say, one of the stars on one of those two teams doesn't play. They're going to have to bank on the fact that they can win these games without them or give up. You know, because obviously those teams will have home court advantage as well, too. So they're just confident that they can, if you're in a seven-game series, that they can do enough at home with their stars at home. Who knows? So for now, I'm going to say, and I I reserve the right to change this a million times until the playoffs start, but I'm going to say in order of best matchup to worst matchup, Philadelphia, Boston, Miami, Milwaukee. I am 100% with you. Really? Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. The only one I might change is... 
Milwaukee, Miami, but you're right. I don't know. With the experience, yeah. you're right. You know, having that championship behind them now, it's like, oof. No, I agree. I'm 100% Philly. Let's, let's go that way. Philly, Boston, Miami, Milwaukee. I'm oh. down with it. All right. We're sticking with that. Let's get to the Kalos. We do this every week. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are making up here, by the way. I it, have no idea. I haven't even thought about this it's, yet. Well, that's, that's the beauty of it. You don't need to. You don't need to. We have, we have this Kalo leaderboard in which, I mean, Pascal Siakam sort of running away with things a little bit. You've got Siakam at the top with 44 points. Van Vliet is 37. Scotty Barnes is 35. But the beauty of this is we're giving up points every week, fittingly named after the Groat, the Kalos. And... They can go to anybody, Kate. You can okay. give them to a player. You could give them to a coach. Sure. I mean, Takeshi's on here. He's got I love, points. I saw Takeshi was we, on there. We love, we love Takeshi. We've got uh, Ray Chow, yep. trainer extraordinaire with the Raptors, has a point here. Super famous. Um, the, the, mask, the Raptors mascot. He must be flying. I mean, he's, he's, he's got three points. He, during, by the way, when they had no fans, this was the best because Kia, I obviously work with Kia Nurse a lot. Kia, like, loves the Raptor mascot like you would never imagine. He came out in the inflatable giant Raptor. There yeah. were no fans, and he literally still performed for the four of us that were in the arena. And then he bugs Booker. It was, like, the greatest show ever. That was the same night. Well, there you go. You can give the Raptors some more no, points No, 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 well. no. I'm doing recent. No, I'm doing from last night, so there's no way. There's no way the Raptors getting any points last night. All right, so I'm going to start with my my three point player. Okay, I'm going to give three Kalo points to. I don't have a choice. This no, no, do I? It, it, it's got to be Pascal Siakam. Of course it does. I mean, forty points is fourth career forty point game. So what does he do coming off of that? Of course, the Wolves they make the adjustment to try and face guard him, take the ball out of his hands. Gets off to that slow start, but you could see him reading and reacting, the wheels turning throughout the game, and he just uses it as an opportunity to get everybody else involved. And I thought he was huge in in that win, his fingerprints all over it, career-high 13 assists, second career triple-double. And and to me, that's a superstar. That's an all-NBA caliber player. Is not necessarily a guy that's going to go out there and score 40 points every night, because some nights it's just not up to you. If the other team decides... And if they're good enough to do it, and if they decide we're not allowing you to go out there and beat us in that way, you might not be able to do it that night. But the great players know how to find a way. And Pascal Siakam last night found a way. I don't know that he's going to end up on an all-NBA team. He should. For sure, he should. It's absurd if he isn't. I don't know that he will, but... What, because he's positionless? Like, because the Raptors play positionless basketball? No, no, it's the the opposite, actually. We... Pascal's best chance of ending up on All-NBA is if they actually stick to the traditional positions, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's easier to make it right now as a four than it is a guard or even a center, Yeah, right? Like, if Embiid and Jokic have to be split up, if they're centers, that just means there's more forward spots, meaning there's more opportunity for Siakam. If all of a sudden, like, Jokic is considered a forward, or if they consider DeMar DeRozan true, a forward, true. that could be tough for Pascal. Um, I think he's going to make it. I think he should make it. Agreed. Whether he does or he doesn't, I can tell you this. He's running away with the Kalos, and the Kalos far more prestigious than All-NBA. So that's I'm going to give him 50 Kalos. 50. <laughs> you can't do that. No, I'm a, no, I'm a guest. Rule. I'm a guest, Lundberg. <laughs> I can make up whatever I want. So I'm going to give him 52 Kalos on this show right now. I'm going to put him down for three points. Okay, 53. Excellent. <laughs> so Pascal Siakam. I mean, we've, we've exhausted saying absolutely everything about him, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I really did look back in the month of March to see what he did. And, and it's unfortunately that he started the year... 
um, you know, recovering from his shoulder surgery because I think that this would have been by far his, and it is too. I mean, even take those, take that time away. It is the greatest year of his career. And he still didn't get an all-star bid, right? And you look back now, you're like, well, he should have been there too. But I think too, what's impressed me the most of Pascal's game is, is you're right. When things aren't going right on the offensive end, or as you said, you know, you know, they're bringing two guys at him. They've set up their defense specifically to shut down Pascal after a 40 piece. He does all the other things well. Defensively, he can lock down. He's uh, like his assist this year. You're talking about the 13 career higher off the chart. It's just been so impressive to watch him become this extraordinary all-round player. And I honestly don't think maybe sometimes because he's not as flashy or I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he's, you know, with the Raptors and we expect so much of him being a max player. But my goodness, like this month has just been, it's been just a, like a pleasure to watch. Um, and I like too when he was on NBA Today on ESPN2 talking about getting on the all-NBA team, he flipped it right, away, right around to be uh, team-oriented. So I very much so dig that. And I, um, I think too watching Pascal grow up and you know grow up with the Raptors has been uh, a really neat experience. So yeah, 53 uh, Kalo <laughs> points from me. I'm going to give my two points to Thad Young. Oh yeah. These are one. these are the types of games that this organization had in mind when they went out and they traded for him at the deadline. Took some time for him to get up to speed, but he's there now. He's looking great. I didn't know he could still get up the way that he did last night on that dunk. <laughs> I love the reaction from his teammates from Nick Nurse called him Thad Young Legs. What do we think about that nickname? Thad we, Young Legs? Do we like who said who said that? Nick was saying that the players were saying it, but he had that smirk. I think maybe maybe Nick uh, had something to do Thad, with that as Thad well. Young Legs is pretty good. I like that one. Yeah. So two points to Thad Young Legs for me. All right. I am going to go two Kalo points to my coworker Leo Routens. Okay. I like that. You know why, too? Um, so you guys, you guys were in the arena on Monday when – no, no, it wasn't Monday's game. Gosh, I'm getting all these things mixed up. Uh, what was the game, the game before when, you, when it was the fire in the speakers? correct and the fans got evacuated and it was just it was craziness that was chaos and uh someone had reached out this is why i'm giving him two kalo points and said that um was there was a, a i think it was i think it was a young kid in the stands um you know with some health stuff and unfortunately they had yes. to be evacuated well leo reached out via dm and and took care of it and i think what you don't see sometimes is like the stuff that you know really good people do behind the scenes so Leo hooking up some tickets to some well-deserved fans. That gives you two. That gives you 22 Kalo points. 22. I love that. Well-deserved Kalo points for Leo. Yeah. And I, I'm going to stick on that topic, and I'm going to give my one Kalo point to the fire department, <laughs> specifically the two dudes hanging from the rafters, spraying that speaker with what I can only imagine was a gigantic fire extinguisher. I have no idea. I This is so far. I like you should give them points just for repelling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't do that. What? No, I'm terrified of stuff like that. I no, not not that's not that's not a Josh thing. I would so do that. I believe I would that you come would. down as fast I as possible and just fly right through. Oh, it'd be amazing. I know you would. Yeah. Well, next time we'll get you up there to fix this. I'll speaker, do it. I'll but... do it. I'll do it. No problem. Do you think Bieber broke it? By the way, like he was oh, it, right because he was in the night before. Yeah, I and didn't like, even think about that. I just read this thing. Those like the songs were so hot that it just like caused it. Biebs. Hey, Biebs. by the way, too. When are we gonna get some Drew jerseys for the Raptors? I mean, that collaboration was really great with the Leafs. I think we need something raps, you know, raps-wise with that. Well, you've got 
all these connections? I don't have connections to Justin Bieber. Why not? I don't know. I'm because I'm a D-list Canadian celebrity. That's why. D-list. Come on. Okay. So who are you giving your one? Yeah. Who I am giving my one point to Utah Watanabe. I just thought of this off the top of my head, to be quite honest. And I'm, I'll stick with the one point. Poor Utah has been on so many posters this year, and I can't handle it anymore. And <laughs> you know what? I just, I love his energy. I love his infectiousness. Yep. And, um, you know, it's just, he got in for a couple minutes last night, and he just gets postered again. And I'm sick of seeing it. But you know why I'm giving him the one point? Because he never gives up on the play. Remember when Anthony Edwards did it last year, too? And it was just, but he had the best answer. He's like, I'm never going to stop. And he never has. So one point to He's Utah not afraid. Like you, Kate Burness, willing to go up there and hang Utah with the speaker. Utah would hang up by the speaker. He 100% would. Whereas yeah. I'm going to be safely on the ground. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, but coming up, we've teased this enough, and we want to get to it. We're going to talk all things Kyle Lowry ahead of his return. What is that game going to be like? What is Kyle going to be like? And let's have some fun and tell some stories. We're going to hear some Kalo stories from his former teammates as well, including DeMar DeRozan. You won't want to miss that. That's coming up next on the Raptors Beat. Welcome back. Josh Lewinberg, Kate Burness in for Nikki Reyes. And it is, after all this time, after all these months, the return of the Groat, Kyle Lowry, coming back to Toronto with Miami Heat for the first time on Sunday. They're in the second night of a back-to-back. They're playing in Chicago. He's going to see another old friend in DeMar DeRozan the night before, but I think it's pretty clear at this point Kyle intends to play, and what an atmosphere uh, it is. going to be in that building that night. We already talked about that, Kate, in terms of like the fans and the excitement level and the buzz in that building. I'm interested in it from a Kyle Lowry standpoint as well. And I want to get your take on this because you just spoke to him. Um, Kate sat down with Kyle for... Sounds like, what, 15? 17. 17 minutes? I have no idea. Around there. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be the full interview is going to be up on tsn.ca in the next Mm. few days. You can see it on SportsCenter as well. But what's your sense in terms of, like, how he's bracing for this? Because we we talked about this earlier. He, He likes to stay in character. He wants to be that tough guy. It doesn't show a lot of emotion. Yeah. But we both know Kyle's a guy who he... He feels he's got emotions. He's got that soft side. And whether or not he wants to admit it, this is a game that he's been thinking about for a really, really long time. And and even if he tries his hardest, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to block out some of those emotions that he's going to be feeling. Well, and he even said, too, at the end, I don't want to give away the entire interview, but he said at the end, too, he's like, you know what, if... There is a little bit of emotion here. Just make sure, you know, no one puts it on social media. Sounded like sarcastically. Nothing goes on social media these days. No, I think it was really interesting because, and you alluded to off the top today, um, of the closest thing to it would be the DeMar DeRozan return, and he was there for that. Yeah. And he basically said that uh, I don't think DeMar was emotional, and he's like, so I think he would be trying to hold his emotions in check. I don't think he's going to succeed personally. And uh, I think, too, he, you're right. I think this is something that he's been expecting for a really long time. Um, he constantly expresses how much he certainly misses the city of Toronto. He lived here for eight years. He played nine seasons here. 
and uh, and he just the, the way that the fans have embraced him. He kept talking about the fans and uh, and how much it means to him. So he also said too, it was really funny too because then he starts getting into the guys, right? And he's like, it's just be weird playing against these guys. He's like, I might have to take a couple hard fouls on Freddie because I can't keep up with him anymore. Oh, I believe he will. <laughs> He That's going to be – we haven't even talked about that, but how about that matchup? Yeah, like, I mean, I thought yesterday's game for Fred was one of the most, like, Kyle Lowry-type oh, yeah. games he's ever played. Uh, he, he's got a lot of that in him, so it'll be interesting to see those two go head-to-head. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, I, I – I mean, this is what I used to do with Kyle back in the day, too. I know what gets Kyle talking, right? And Kyle absolutely hates, and I made very huge errors in the beginning of my career, of trying to talk about his game, trying to talk about, like, him. Hates it. Yeah. Absolutely to this day despises it. It was funny doing that interview with him this morning. I start talking about Freddie, and Freddie and I sat down at the beginning of the season, and I said, you know, it's Fred's team now. And then he said something hilarious. He's like, yeah, say something this to Kyle. I can't repeat everything, but whatever. And, uh, and I said to him, you know, how do you, how do you think he's doing as a leadership perspective? And I, I swear, if you want five minutes of interview, just talk to Kyle Lowry about Fred Van Vliet and the way Freddie's grown up, you know, becoming a man basically at 22, Kyle told me. And just the person he's developed into today. They had the same agent at the time. And, you know, the way that Fred got his contract and everything that comes along with it. Um, so I think for Kyle, well, I know that the fans and all of that will be, you know, super hard. He also said he thinks he's going to play like crap, just to let you know. He thinks he's going to pl- play terrible because it'll be so over, like it'll be a little bit overwhelming. Um, but beyond that, too, I think it's the guys that he looks across from on that floor. So there's a lot. Like, that's a tough one to play. And I think, um, I don't know about Kyle, and he didn't say this. This is just my perspective. Um, I think it'll be good to get through it. Because I think once you get through something like that, and there's yeah. been such build-up to this, we didn't see him the last time in Toronto because there were no fans. We know that he was missing games for personal reasons when they were playing in Miami. So, I mean, this has been a long time coming, and uh, and he deserves every single second of that hopefully 10-minute standing ovation that he's going to get. I've been saying this for years, getting to cover Kyle Lowry from start to, to finish in terms of his Raptors tenure has been one of the great thrills, honors of my career, one of the highlights of my career. He's such a fascinating person. I mean, let's forget about the player for a second. We know what a great, iconic player he was for the Raptors. But as a human being, he's complicated. And that's what makes him interesting. So I'm I'm fascinated by the art of storytelling, whether it's through... Uh, writing or TV, movies. I'm a survivor guy too, and I, I like the storytelling there. And it turns you don't laugh at You're me. You're going to be on Survivor one day. That's the goal, but right. well, that's, that's right, a conversation right, that's different. for a that's different, different day. Sure. But the characters that I tend to gravitate to in all of those different mediums are the ones that are complicated, that aren't a simple character, a simple person. They're not quite a hero, but they're not quite a villain. They're not quite good, but they're not quite evil. They have layers to them. And that's one of the reasons why I love sports, because while they're not characters, they're they're humans, they're people, but people generally are complicated as well. And Kyle Lowry, I, I can't think of too many people that I know and that I've been around that have as many layers as he does. And that's why, so I put together a, a story. I, I spoke to 10 of Kyle's 
former Raptors teammates over the last month or so. And I asked each of them, first of all, describe Kyle in one word for me. And there was a lot of like similarities just in terms of like, obviously a lot of like toughness and competitor. And I think Terrence Ross said tenacious. So we got a lot of that. DeMar said unique. And I, I think that kind of hits on Kyle a little bit too. But then I also asked each one of them to tell me their best Kyle story. And one of the things that I was hoping to get from this was the layers, mm-hmm. the different sides of Kyle. Because, yeah, there's the toughness, and I want those stories. I want, about, I want the stories about him taking charges and, and being, uh, being that like leader in the locker room and all that stuff. But there's more to Kyle than that. And we talked about the softer side of Kyle. We talked about the sensitive side, the caring side, what a great teammate he is. But, the, yeah, I mean, there's also the difficult side of Kyle, the stubborn side of Kyle, the agent of chaos, the rebel without a cause sometimes. And I wanted to get that as well. So I, I was really happy with how it turned out. These guys really delivered just in terms of the different types of stories that I got. So we're going to play a few of them. Awesome. I'm previewing the piece. The piece comes out tomorrow on tsn.ca. Of course, one guy that I had to go to was his best friend, DeMar DeRozan, who did not disappoint. As I said, this is a 10 out of 10 Kyle Lowry story. It's an extremely believable Kyle Lowry story. So let's hear from DeMar. I forgot I forgot what happened. We had we had a bad game or some and we had to meet at the plane the next day. Cal was so frustrated and mad at everybody to where he said he was going to be two hours late to the plane just just because. (laughs) Um, And I thought he was joking. We get to the plane the next day. 30 minutes go by. We waiting on Cal. Hour go by. I called him. He said, you thought I was playing about being late to the plane. I'm really I'm I get there when I get there. And he really showed up two hours late to the plane just because he was mad at something the day before. I love that. I'm not that's, sure that they loved it at the time. Whatever. That, that's so Kyle. And that's why. So Jonas Valanciunas is another guy I talked yeah. to for the story. And actually, believe it or not, Jonas has played the most career games with, with Kyle. Like of all of Kyle's teammates, nobody's played more games with him than JV. I would have thought it would have been DeMar. But JV sort of said the same thing. Well, first of all, probably one of the best quotes of the piece, he said Kyle would die on the court. But he also said, yeah, like he, he does things his own way. And, and it's for better or for worse. And he said that like you can't live, you can't live without him, but you, sometimes you can't live with him. And he said that while I respect like the way he does things, he joked, I, I respect it a lot more now that I don't have to be around him every day. I, you know what's funny with JV, too? That's I didn't know the games. I would have guessed Amar, too. Yeah. I, I totally would have guessed. But um, they, they had the coolest relationships. So that's when I had started with, like, really doing sidelines with the raps, too. And I remember I was doing media day, too. Oh, my God. This is just so... T- they were like... I would describe media day was always the most fun, too, because everyone was super chill, relaxed, and they all wanted to talk to you, too. But I'm trying to interview JV, and Kyle's just popping his head around the corner, just, like, pretending to <laughs> film the whole thing, like, trying to, like, throw JV off. But just, like, having a bunch of brothers just, like, just bug the crap out of you constantly. But it's funny how Kyle can go from that yes. to, like, I'm not showing up to a plane for two hours. And then it's just, like, the sides are so funny. I genuinely think, though, I'm not even kidding you when I say this. Uh, people always told me about Kyle before I started, like, obviously doing the job full time. They're like, 
polarizing was the word they'd use, right? And I actually disagree with that. I actually just think that, that Kyle likes who he likes, and Kyle knows exactly who he, he is. He trusts who he trusts. He trusts who he trusts wholeheartedly. And you have to earn that trust. You do. You can't just come in there and be like, hey, I'm whoever and blah, blah, blah. No, you got to, no. It, it, you got to establish something else. And he's just... You know, I remember people got on me, not on me, but just like the way they reacted to a post-game interview that I once did with Kyle. And it wasn't our typical interview. Um, I knew Kyle, just his personality, pretty well at this point, though. When he gives everything to a game, he gives everything not just physically, but emotionally. Yeah. And he was giving me like three word answers because he was just he was so done. He was so spent. They had just won and he had grinded through the whole thing. Basically, like put his body on the whole line. People like, oh, like he doesn't. I'm like, no, you don't understand Kyle. I'm like, this is just who he is. He'll give you everything, but don't expect a lot in return when he has nothing else to give. On the flip side, he'll give you everything when he can. Well, let's hear about that tough side Mm -hmm. of Kyle Lowry, courtesy of Terrence Ross. I didn't care if you were the GM, um, you know, the 15th man on the rotation, uh, the head coach. Like he, he was always going to say or voice his, his opinion about what he felt. And, um, you know, he's always going to challenge us to get better and do better. And um, I think that's what really led, you know, the culture here to change a lot was the fact that Kyle was just so much a part of that, that, all right, we need to feel uncomfortable to get outside our comfort zone and go to places we've never been. And, um, Man, that, that that mindset really carried true to Toronto. Just another you know, the way everybody goes hard. You know? One more from another former Raptors teammate of, of Kyle Lowry, and this again probably a different side, just in terms of what kind of a teammate he was. This is from Corey Joseph. Genuinely wants to see his teammates and, and everybody do well. So everybody loves Kyle. Anybody would run through the wall for Kyle because they know like Kyle got Kyle got their back. On the court, off the court. Kyle's the type of guy that'll show up to your kid's birthday. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's that type of guy. Like everybody loves Kyle. I've never I haven't heard of one person in the NBA that doesn't like Kyle as a team or as a person. So that just speaks for itself. I don't I mean basketball is one thing, obviously. He's great at basketball, but when you have a person uh, like that and uh, of his character, it goes a long way. Man. And it's a good point. Like, one of the most well-respected players in the NBA. And considering what a pest he can be on the court, just in terms of, like, getting after you and, like, how annoying it must be to play against him, the fact that, as Corey was saying, like, people, players love Kyle, that speaks to not only, like, the how much respect people have for the way that he plays, but the, the character of the man the person as well. I think Kyle too is one of those guys that he he will do stuff behind the scenes that he won't even tell you he's doing. Like I remember, and I won't say names, I won't give away anything, but uh, family situation, just uh, trying to get back to the family for a certain amount of time, member of the Raptors organization, and like he he flew him. He flew him back. Like it's just like things like that where you, you know, it's unnecessary. You know what I mean? But I do, I think he cares about things like that. I think he cares about people. He, you know, he's a great dad, like, like things like that too, that just, it makes Kyle the human who he is. And and it's really funny talking to Freddie because it's just the same thing, you know, where, where these guys work so hard at their craft and they're so good at what they do. Um, I, I think there's so much more that means more to them. You know, they just have they have different life experience. They do lots of Kyle content coming up over the next few days. As I said, keep an eye out for Kate's interview, her exclusive sit down with Kyle. It's coming to TSN.ca. Dynamite, and dynamite, Josh. It's going to be good. And then my story will be out there on TSN.ca tomorrow morning as well. We've heard from Kyle's teammates. I want to get 
Kate Burness's best Kyle Lowry. I'm not story. telling them on air, so good luck with that. <laughs> you have a championship story that I that do. I have you, a good. I have so, a good ship. So story. we're gonna, we're going to take a, a quick break. Then we'll we'll get that story from Kate. Uh, stay tuned. That's coming up on the Raptors beat. Crunch time here on the Raptors beat. Josh Lewinberg, Kate Burness in for Nikki Reyes. Hey, Kate, first of all. This was awesome. So much fun. And again, so appreciative of you taking the time during a really busy time of the year for you to do this. But I can't let you get out of here without we heard from DeMar and Terrence and Corey. We heard their uh, Kyle Lowry stories. What's one of your favorite? First of all, I'm not telling you my favorites because that will always stay between myself and Kyle. But no, needless to say, no, I think I think my favorite one, though, is the championship story. And you were mentioned, too. Um, how, how just how good of a human he is. So Kyle and I built up this relationship, right? Where I was like, I, he'll, you know, I'm not going to bury you. You're not going to bury me. We're just going to do this together. We're going to work together, right? Yeah. So at the end of the Raptors game, it was myself, Doris Burke, and Ramona Shelburne. You know, my idols, just me hanging out on the court after the championship no big, game. No big, no big deal. Just dropping names left, right, and center here. Uh, Doris, I forget. Doris had Freddie, and Ramona had Kwai, and I got Kyle. Well, the rule was is that when you go onto stage, you actually can't access the players anymore. Of course, Kyle, and I, I was like, he'd never snuff me, ever. And, but of course, he runs and gets his boys, Carter and Cameron, right? And he takes them onto stage. And I'm like, oh, my God. And our producer is like, get your interview. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I was I, I, the one moment in my career where I, I can honestly say I was terrified. So I'm sitting there ready to just lose it and think I've just dropped the biggest ball. And I look over and I don't remember exactly what he said because everything was so chaotic. But Kyle looked at me and said, go to the locker room. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting the interview. Hit my talk back. I'm like running to the locker. I ran to the locker. I had no idea where I was going at Oracle. So then I get to the locker room, and all of a sudden I realize, I don't have a camera with me. (laughs) This is just like a disaster. And there was only myself and, like, I think two other reporters allowed in at this point. Anyways, all of a sudden this guy pops out, and he's like, you with the uh, TSN broadcast? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, here you go. Hands me a microphone. He's like, what are you with? TSN slips on a mic flash. I'm like, great. Pulls me in. First of all, just destroyed. Hit by champagne. I couldn't see a thing. And all of a sudden, Kyle looks at me and goes, all right, ready to go? <laughs> it's like, so he made do on something that was so awesome in one of the biggest moments. That's all I'll ever remember from Kyle. I love that. It's going to be great to see him on Sunday, of course. Kyle's big return with Miami in town. And then uh, the stretch run coming up for the Raptors. A playoff race that will continue to cover here on the Raptors beat. Nikki will be back with us next week. Thanks so much to Kate Burness for stepping in, filling in, doing a great job with us today. You owe me many bottles of wine, Josh. Uh, many bottles. You know I'm good for it. <laughs> Thank you to Chris Diavero behind the glass, and thanks for listening.